0: It's a kind of changing the mindset. And and really, I always say like Nespresso is not about coffee. This is not about calling. Tesla is not about driving. It's really what it wakes you up internally um, as a human. So it was very successful. And nowadays, um, because of that success, after after launching in August 2021, we now have end caps in Sephora, which you would never imagine a personal care brand have yeah, end caps. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> incredible. We're very data-driven and we were given the chance to, to really show that we were not a, a decreasing hand sanitizer brand. And they were astonishingly surprised that the, that the brand was actually outperforming beauty brands.
1: Welcome to the Glam & Grow podcast. I'm your host, Takara Suet, Head of Partnerships at Wavebreak. On this show, we talk with leaders of beauty, fashion, and lifestyle brands. We dive into their stories, lessons learned, and perspectives on how the industry is ever evolving. Subscribe and join us each week as we glam and grow. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call. Joining me today on Glam and Grow is Andrea Lisbona, founder and CEO of Touchland. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to hear the story. So, before we dive into Touchland, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and how you initially came up with the idea.
0: Sure. So, um, as you can tell by my accent, I'm not from here, I'm from Barcelona. I was raised in an entrepreneurial family. So, I have seen the ins and outs, the pros and cons of being an entrepreneur since I was a little kid. And I always felt excited to, to be able to define my own destiny. To really dedicate every day doing something that I like um, even if again there's like a roller coaster of a lot of bad news but I'm also sure good happening yeah and then when I was uh, when I was studying I started an, a, a graduate an MBA in a business school in Barcelona I did my Erasmus exchange in LA and I fell in love with the US. The market, the speed, the energy was—it was really great, especially coming from Europe where everything takes more time. It's not such a innovative market and all that. So I—I I truly enjoyed the experience there, and I always knew some way I will come back. I would come back to to LA. Um, after that, I studied uh, fashion design because I am. Um, a big fan of, of design and how design changes things. It's not how it looks, it's how it works. So I studied that. And then the European crisis came in Europe in 2008. Um, and my family business, of course, suffered the consequences of it. So I wanted to help the family business and I wanted to create something of my own. Um, and I was fascinated when I started uh, Dutchland reason why I started it is because I'm a big skincare lover. I feel skincare is a category that has changed over the last 30 years completely. I always remember um, when I was a kid, like cleansing my face with like wipes and it was like a homework, like for my mom. Um, They used to like cleanse face, like almost like when they had to, when they were going out because they put makeup on, but it was not like a ritual. And how 30 years later, this industry has been able to change something that was a homework into something that brings peace of mind, gives you a ritual, it gives you um, that stillness and calmness that that people look forward to. I always say, I'm very busy, I'm exhausted at night, but I always look forward to to those 20 minutes of cleansing my face, applying the products and really feeling good. So I really like how that industry got transformed over the years. And I felt very surprised that personal care, which plays key roles, um, each category into, into health and wellness, Oh, that category has not evolved that much over the last year. So we started with hand sanitizer. Um, there's other categories that we're working on, but we started with hand sanitizer because the easiest way to stay healthy is to keep your hands clean. But whenever you think about like everything that was on the market, free touch land, um I'd rather not use sanitizer than, than actually having to use that. Totally. It was very sticky, cracked my skin. Yeah, it cracks That's your like skin tequila. like tequila exactly exactly so no wonder why personal care is not exciting so we wanted to beautify and kind of infuse those skincare excitement moments into the personal care experiences and that's how it all started we started distributing hand sanitizers i'm i really think that products should be created with customers in mind so we spend a lot of time which is not the the usual path for entrepreneurs which is distributing other products and just hearing what they say. Why do you hate this? Why do you like this? Why do you complain about this? What would you like to see? So for example, we talked with lots of nurses before we launched our own product line and they all said like, I have to use this product so many times in my day that at the end of the day, my hands are like paper cut. They are so dry. So they always had to carry a hand thing on the other pocket. So it was like the whole experience was not, was not a great experience. And so our goal, similarly, on how Nespresso changed the coffee industry. I always say, Nespresso did not just stole from customers that were drinking coffee; they brought in customers that they were not, didn't have the time or didn't have the, the, the capability to warm coffee at home in a short period of time. So that's what TouchOne has done to the to the personal care and specific hand sanitizer industry is really take on a lot of people that would never consider hand sanitizers and really create something for them. And of course, the word of mouth has made that everyone that discovers touch and has the need to bring in all of the family and friends to the experience. But it is truly not so much about like creating something to replace what's used. It's truly to create a whole new industry and a whole new niche for skincare lovers, beauty lovers that that really want to find that same experience in personal care.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you basically started a brand new category, which is incredible. And I definitely want to dive deeper into the brand, but I'm curious, was there a moment where you had an experience with hand sanitizer specifically, or did you just recognize there was just so much opportunity for disruption?
0: I had several experiences. So for example, when I was in LA um, studying there, I was fascinated also because the consciousness about germs. I feel like in Europe, if you don't see it, it doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> while in the U.S., there was a lot of consciousness about that. So, for example, things that you do in Europe, like you see a baby in the street and like oh, you go to touch uh, the baby. You cannot do that in the U.S. Like some stranger walks into your kid and touches it, It's like a no. Oh, <laughs> and that's no so moment. interesting. Yeah. So I was fascinated about the consciousness, about cleanliness. But also um, I realized that everyone like in the university where I was I had that sort of clip on the back not very aesthetic, Uh, the kind of application was very goopy and all that. So I am a marketing person and I love branding and really giving solutions to the market. So I kind of like saw the market in different situations. For example, I took a cruise before we started um, distributing where cruise, for example, is an industry where you have to use hand sanitizer as you enter on the ship and all that. And so I was very fascinated how the first Um, two three days of the cruise ship people you would have someone next to the dispensers please sanitize your hands after two three days that person kind of disappears that role disappears but still people was got the habit of sanitizing their hands and they kept doing it for the rest of the cruise ship Um, so I was just fascinated how a product can really make so much easier the experience on a ship where like water is scarce or when you're like out like for example I love Mexican food And if I don't have Touchland with me, I'm like a surgeon going to the bathroom, closing (laughs) the door. And I was not like that before, but I became very aware. And I feel like Touchland gives you that sort of like safe feeling that when you don't have it, it gives you, it's like when I leave my iPhone at home, that sort of emptiness that something is not right. So I think that's kind of like the feeling, the feeling of really having found something that makes your day-to-day much easier to interact with the world.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned your experience in LA of people being super germ phobic, but I think your timing was impeccable. From unfortunately the standpoint of COVID, I feel like everyone who was you know moderately germ phobic went completely extreme, you know, in this time of such a health crisis. So your timing was great. So I'm curious um, how how COVID affected the brand. I'm sure it really catapulted you during that time, and and how were you were able to keep up with demand.
0: Yeah, so I think for us, everyone thinks that COVID is the best thing that happens to a hand sanitizer brand. Because we always acted as a beauty brand, We, our promotion strategy, our placement, our channels where we distribute it are not the typical of hand sanitizer. I think we disrupted this industry way before that. So we started in 2010 in Spain. We launched in the U.S. in 2018, way before covid and we were very successful back then. And one of the things that we did, for example, is change the way people buy personal care. Um, when you think of personal care, the the, the other ones, the soaps, you buy one at a time, you buy next when you're running low. Um, Touchland average order value since the very beginning was $60. So people in average was buying six, seven wow. units, which... You can tell that it's not to clean hands because you would do great with one, but because we had different scents and different um, colors, people was buying one as a perfume, like for every mood and style of the week. Oh, wow. Um, And we were the first, um, like one of the first brands to really decide that we wanted to be in the premium prestige channels, which you would not expect to find personal care. So. We launched in Ulta pre-COVID, super successful, sold out in two weeks. We launched in Urban Outfitters and Bloomingdale, so places that they never had considered hand sanitizer before, and we did that pre-COVID. So the brand already had like a great wait list. We were selling out constantly. I mean, when COVID came in, it was more like a challenging moment in general um, because the market became very... um, in the sense that everyone that was even manufacturing shoes, tables, no matter what, everyone started manufacturing hand sanitizer. And for a company that started that 10 years before with a very noble goal, it kind of like shakes the waters in a negative way, because the problem is that a lot, even investors, like everyone approached to us. um, And for us, the action plan is like, what do we think is going to be three, five, 10 years from now? Because there was such an opportunistic um, approach in the market of how can we capitalize on that? Rather, for us, it was like how can we survive this time? What is touching going to be three years from now, five years from now? So, for example, one of the things that we did is in August 2021, um, we relaunched the brand and we did it in a in a very in a statement way. So we did a campaign that was touched like in the before. Where we as a brand of hand sanitizer, which is completely different from everything else, uh, every other market uh, brand in the market, most of their marketing initiatives were like fearing people of the germs outside. And and as you said, like if someone was uh, aware of germs during that period, it became even more aware because there was a kind of fear uh, marketing for all those brands. So in our case, we did uh, Touchland, the name stands for Touch the Land. And the reason why it has this name is because Touchland wants to create solutions that empower people to go out, have fun, live to the fullest, and then find solutions that make them feel safe. So we did this campaign that was a very uh, very big statement moment for the company because it was a campaign showing people partying and hugging and kissing and all that. And we knew that we were taking a risk, but we felt as a as a company, one of the things that that really make Touchland unique is that we wanted to recognize that we all miss the basics of being human, like hugging and kissing and going out. And so we did that campaign. It was super successful. And then we relaunched the brand in 4000 retail doors. Um, in, and in a moment, I must say, where most retailers at that time, they had bought hand sanitizers for the next 20 years to come. They were not selling. They were going to expire. So for us, it was a momentum to really define the brand and say, hey, we've said from the very beginning, we're not a hand sanitizer brand, try us out. And when they gave us an opportunity, they saw that our velocity was faster than even beauty brands. So they were like, okay, so hand sanitizer is decreasing, but you are actually even beating beauty brands. So that enabled us to grow really fast. Yeah, it's kind of changing the mindset. And and really, I always say like Nespresso is not about coffee. This is not about calling Tesla is not about driving. It's really what it wakes you up internally um, as a human. So it was very successful. And nowadays, um, because of that success, after, after launching in August 2021, we now have end caps in Sephora, which you would never imagine a personal care brand have end Yeah, I know. That's incredible. Caps. <laughs> incredible. Yeah, so I think that's the, we're very data-driven and we were given the chance to, to really show that we were not a, a decreasing hand sanitizer brand and they were... Astonishingly surprised that the that the brand was actually outperforming beauty brands.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And I I really want to dive into the design as well because I think it's so chic and beautifully designed. And I I think that's why it's really resonated with people um, as well. So you mentioned you launched in, in 2010. I'm curious how you've approached the U.S. market as compared to Europe, and if if the packaging and and the brand is similar um, to Inception or or how many iterations of the product you've had.
0: So we've had several product iterations. Um, I think the product has not changed that much radically in the sense that um, we we made some changes, aesthetical changes. We made some like functional changes. Like we we did some of those upgrades. But I think it's how the market reacted to the product. I feel like um, again, unfortunately, as I said, Apple took twenty years to land in Europe for a very specific reason it's not an innovative market. Like I feel like people here, they are so eager and excited for newness and innovation that they support new ideas and entrepreneurs in a much bigger dimension than Europe is. So while I love being in Europe because I have my family there and the food is amazing and all that, I think <laughs> Very true. A, But that's a reality in a, in a balance. I, I knew that if I wanted to really scale fast, touch long, we had to cross the ocean. And we did it and it was an immediate success. We launched um, with that improving version of our product in in uh, July 2018 with a Kickstarter campaign and immediately was fully funded in 24 hours. 50% of the people were from the US. And since then, it's been truly the American dream. So I think it's not so much, again, about improving the product and all that which we did. I think it just, it's as a market, there's such a spirit of, openness and really supporting business that it's it's great because I feel like in Europe I always say in Europe you work a hundred and you collect 10 here you work a hundred but you get rewards of a thousand so it's very rewarding because I worked a lot of years in Europe and it was just a lot of effort and hours and all that and you don't really get to see any reward which is very upsetting because you would expect as you dedicate hours to to get some result but then, when we moved into the US, it just—it's—it's it's a great market for innovation.
1: That is such an interesting perspective. Um, I'm curious uh, to dive into scents as well. Is that something you were? The brand is so colorful and has such a unique scent profile. I'm curious if you were more experimental here and and how you go about the process of selecting scents because they're they're really unique. Yeah. So I
0: think. Touchland, one of the ways to define touchland is like a, an unexpected delight one after another in the sense that you get the package, you see this packaging, you don't know what it is, you're surprised, what is this? Then you spray it, oh, it's a spray, it's a mist, I, I, it's a change of like form factor. Then you apply it, oh, it's not sticky. Then you smell it, oh, it smells great. So it's that constant unexpected delightness of the experience of touchland um, And a sense play a key role. I think that makes People really fall in love because the scents are emotions, they trigger you places and they trigger you also moods. Like, for example, um, right now we have uh, 15 different scents, and I can tell that depending on my mood of the day, I'm going to select one or the other. Like, if I feel like summery and, and party, I would take beach cocoa. But if I feel cozy and I want to stay in or something, it's vanilla blossom. So, each the profile really evokes something. So, and, and that has been one of the reasons why. People want to buy six, seven units at a the time. They just want to have one for each mood. And they even sometimes, besides the scent, it's also the color. Um, we have these trends on TikTok of matching my touchland to my outfit, matching my touchland to my makeup. So it's, it's also great to see how the consumers understand and perceive the brand in a much larger way than even a founder can do, because you would ask me. Ten years ago would would you imagine someone doing a TikTok of Touchland, matching my outfit to Touchland would be like, no way. Now it is a trend on TikTok. So I I also think it's very exciting to allow to allow that the brand is shaped by the the community and the customers.
1: That must be so rewarding for you to see.
0: Yes. I spent a lot of time on TikTok, but it just, I love it. <laughs> That's I so cool.
1: That. I, I definitely want to dive a little bit deeper into uh, TikTok, but I just want to touch on, on the bottle. And I'm curious, like how you went about um, creating that product. Did you have a clear or not the product, but the, the bottle, did you have a clear vision for what it would look like? Um, Cause it's so unique yeah. and, and was it complicated to, to make? Yeah, we
0: spent a lot of time in innovation and design, and, and again, we wanted something that was that had a lot of things. And sometimes that's hard because you have to make some traders and all that. So in our case, we wanted something that was a sleek, so you would fit in your pocket. Most of the hand sanitizer bottles were down so you cannot feel them, you know, like, please away in your pocket, they stick out. But we also wanted to, to be, as a company, um, we're a very transparent company. We're an open book. We're very communicative. And I feel like that has to translate into the product. So most of the hand sanitizer um, bottles in the market, the, the of course, the ones after that came also that were more like uh, flat, they don't have an open window. And sometimes as a consumer, when I'm in retail and I have a a packaging that is non-transparent i always wonder like how much product is in here did someone oh, use it and put it back on the shelf so to be able to see the level of of the feeling and know that you're getting a brand new product and that no one has used it i feel it stands also for the kind of values of the brand so that's another thing and then in terms of design i i'm a big fan of Steve jobs as you can tell <laughs> the designs are very appleish So one of the things that we did is um, the design parameters that Apple use when creating products is the golden ratio. So one of the things that we did is really not just the product, like the logo. If you would see our logo pre-golden ratio and post-golden ratio, you would see that the hand changes. It's like now it's more proportionate. It, It looks better to the eyes. So when we created the Power mist. It has the golden ratio guidelines, and one of the most common golden ratio elements that everyone has in their day to day is a, a credit card. So, if you take a look, it's the same radius, the same proportions oh, of wow. a credit card. So, we took a lot of time to create that. And as we think of innovation, we're now working to reinvent new personal care categories that we feel they need the same kind of shakeup that the hand sanitizer has. It takes time, like it takes two, three years to really back and forth and scrap it all and start again and scrap it all and start again. And it's the size, is the shape, it's, it's the transparency, is the functionality. It's a lot of things. So definitely we are very happy that it's been super successful, but it, we really thought to the smallest detail, the fact that it's a cupless experience because before the hand sanitizers had a cap. sometimes it opens in the back, then you have like tequila smelling back for the rest of the, of the month. <laughs> Um, So we really thought about all of the all of the small details.
1: Yeah, you you thought about everything, and the functionality of the bottle is just incredible. Um, Let's talk about TikTok. I'm curious to hear. I assume that's probably your your most effective marketing channel as of late. And and how did you organically have this success?
0: Well, I think we are a company that takes risks, and I think when you are willing to take risks and step out of the comfort zone, that being a new channel a new platform, a new vendor, a new anything. So I think TikTok for us, we started in TikTok in 2019. There was almost nowhere. <laughs> and so we were playful, we were testing, and I think the algorithm really benefited companies and, and creators that joined the platform early on. And so that's why right now we have more than 130 million views on Hashtag TouchNone. We've had wow. Like a, a lot of growth, organic growth videos that hit 12 million views, organic. And again, we, we just try to be authentic. And I feel um, there's a, a lot of brands and they have a lot of like layers of decision making. And when it gets to the top, potentially that trend is gone. Um, so in our case, because we are a very lean company, we try to test things, learn from what we, what we have uh, found and then keep going. So TikTok has been a great uh, a great platform for us to really communicate the brand values, the company, the playfulness, all of that. And and then again, not just for us, but I feel like social media. Many years ago, it was very unidirectional. It's the brand communicating. For us, it's more like a like a focus group or like a place where we can talk to the community and the community talks back. And then, for example, when we see trends like matching my outfit to touchland or right now um we have started seeing people like adding googly eyes to our product and kind of create characters out of it it really it really gives you a line of communication that brands that are not open to receive good and bad feedback because at the end of the day social media is what it is and brands that want to control the messaging you cannot control it if your product is good it's going to come out if your product is bad no matter how many creators you pay if the product is not good, the, the truth will come out. So we are firm believers of really giving a microphone to the community for the good and the bad, listen for the opportunities of improvement, and also for the, for the areas where we hear people want to learn more about the brand.
1: If you listen to this podcast, you'd likely know that Shopify is the go-to e-commerce platform, helping millions sell to billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing in person at your retail store? Give your point of sale system, a serious upgrade with Shopify. (coughs) Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person, connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. With Shopify POS, you can take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. The best part? With Shopify POS, effortlessly unite your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/glam, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com/glam to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/glam. Now back to this episode. And how do you go about listening per se? Are you personally like reading comments and looking through, you know, socials? I'm curious because being in the personal care space, your customer could be anyone, which is really incredible. So how do you, how do you make the product like, you know, resonate with Gen Z and then maybe like an older customer? How do you think about that?
0: So I spent a lot of time um, and until a few weeks ago, I was the one posting and all that. So
1: Wow. (laughs) Good for you.
0: I'm very involved and I like it. I feel like our brand is, a, is successful mostly because of social media and the community. So being connected to it 20, 24-7, it's important. And about like, how do we talk with them? It just comments, anything. Like if someone, either we do posts where are dedicated to, for example, like, hey, which should be our next collab? And then we listen, we see where are the trends going, which are the brands that are popping up more, which should be the next ascent. But also at the same time, it's, any comment that comes in any post, like just like really listen up. And I feel like some companies, they customers ca- customer service is something that sometimes they even outsource. Like it's like uh, the, the less important part of the business. For us, it's our ears in the market. So we really need to understand both in social or email, like what are the trends, any concerns, people upset with this, is people upset with this, is people happy. We really—I always say—you cannot fall asleep in the trees. You really have to be thinking that you're number two because the moment you think, "Oh, I'm number one," I got there. That's the day you start dying. So I—that's the mentality of always. There's always better way, better ways to do things. There's always better improvements for the community. um, That being sustainability, which is something that we're working on uh, diligently. That being, um, we're very in in that case, we're very open to really be better and and if our customers are the ones giving us feedback it's the most it's the yeah. most smart one. Like some companies hire consultancies and all that. Sometimes it's just really be willing to listen. And if you don't like what you listen make something about it. But don't expect the market to change. You have to change yourself.
1: Yeah, I think that's such an incredible uh, perspective to have as as a business. I think it's so important. Um, as the business is today, what is the split between D2C and retail and, and how important has it for you to have the retail partners that you have?
0: So um, right now, we, we started as a D2C company, but after the iOS update in 2021, where the cost of acquisitions went through the roof and, and all that, we were blessed enough to have an omnichannel strategy. So we didn't have all of the eggs in one basket. Um, right now, of course, retail for us is growing tremendously. Uh, we have very strong relationships with Sephora, with Ulta, with Target. And not only we're expanding into new channels, but also at the same time, we're um, we're growing within those retailers. So we started with, uh, for example, with Sephora, we had a uh, video on the fly end cap in all doors. Now we have a home Bay end cap, super big end um, cap in, in 10% of the doors, which the goal is to keep growing it. Um, in that we have an inline space uh, when we started with a tiny, tiny impulse bin in August 2021. So they definitely have grown with us and have been reason of the of the growth of the brand. And another channel that we're growing um, really good and fast has been Amazon for us. Um, it's been a tremendous channel. We've been growing. We launched um, Meet last year and it's been taking over D2C and it's a, it's a good channel to scale and Again, we were able to get more than 1,500 reviews in less than six months and almost like 47 stat reviews. So that helps. Again, it's validation. Wow. People trust the reviews. They have a very like strict review process. So you know that those reviews for sure are real. Um, so we, we definitely are excited to have like, uh, a kind of blended distribution strategy. And then we still have not tackled into many other channels like travel retail and professional and others that the brand still has a lot of opportunity to tap on.
1: Yeah. I think there's so much opportunity for growth. Um, Talk to me about the, the KUB device. Um, It's beautifully designed. I'm curious what that's done for you in terms of brand awareness.
0: Yeah. I would put it as an example of the, the different products that Apple has. Like when you think of the iPhone versus like an iMac, I think for Touchland we want to be where our customer is. And when you have a company, for example, we partner with companies where they buy the power needs for their employees um, or for their customers to be able to offer a commercial solution that they can put at the entrances of their doors. Like, for example, we have partners like Equinox, One Hotel, Standard Hotel, that really you can create a 360 partnership. It, it really enhances the whole partnership between us and the brands, but also at the same time, it, it makes them really be consistent with their choices because, again, at the end of the day, when you think about it, if it's a hotel, if it's a gym, no matter what it is, it's very important to be able to give kind of like a brand communication that is consistent. And if you really care about like the fabrics on the sofas and the towels that you put, but then you have like something that smells like tequila, it's also aesthetic that
1: yeah it's like exactly. aesthetically so the the prior hand sanitizer stations if you will were so unappealing we i'm sure i'm sure it bathroom. was so well received by hotels and spas because it just it it fits the brand
0: exactly exactly i feel like the normally um the hand sanitizers that were for commercial purposes were mostly designed for healthcare usage and at the end of the day you, you don't only need to sanitize your hands when you're in the hospital. You need to clean your hands in the gym, in the hotel and all that. So I think what Touchland is, instead of like really going where all the brands go, which is hospital and like all of those um, like public offerings and all that, Touchland turned the back and realized that like, what about all the other day-to-day experiences, like the offices, the gyms, the hotels why no one is offering something where you walk from the street into a building and you can like enter into a germ-free area, like healthy environment. area.
1: Yeah, absolutely. How important has it been for you to, to make a difference with the brand? Um, you have the social initiative touch lives. Tell me a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah. So, um, one of the things that again, as, as a company grows, you have to do it because of a vision and you have to, to really give back, um, we don't talk a lot about it because I don't want it to be seen as a marketing initiative. And a lot of people say, like, why don't you talk about it? Like last year, we donated around more than a million dollars in donations. Um, we just don't do it. We we want to do it as we as we grow and as a gift back, not as a marketing initiative. So, for example, we started um, doing initiatives very early on. Uh, we were doing it with NGOs in in Africa where we were sending product there they were like giving like they had like water scarcity so this was a great initiative but when COVID came in one of the things that we again through social media we donated to frontline workers there was a lot of people that was going to hospitals to fight COVID and they didn't have hand sanitizer so we wanted we wanted to do something and then ultimately what what we ended up directing this this touchless initiative to was public school teachers because we had um one of our one of our community members in social media tagged us on a post in, in 2020 where she said, um my public school doesn't have um hand sanitizer for my kids to come back to school safe. So I bought out of my salary these beautiful touchland cubes wow. and all that. So we got in touch with her it was a very emotional call because again, we were surprised like how selfless it is for someone to buy out of their pocket for their kids um, to have that. So that kind of moved us. Um, and then, so we partnered with her. She became like kind of like the ambassador for the, like the touch life new initiative to really work on and hone on public school teachers. And so what we do basically is we, we work with K-12 Um Teachers, they send us a submission, we send the cube and 20,000, uh, 10,000 users of hand Sanitizer. And we've been getting a lot of photos on Twitter like of all the kids happy uh, and all that. And I think it is, it is important as we grow to, to try to do as much impact as we can. And sometimes a lot of people say you should talk more about it, um, but we just want to do it because we want to, to give back and, and not to be perceived as anything else. Um, but definitely, it's been great, and I think it's the most rewarding part is like when we get letters back, um, handwritten letters from the kids, or we get pictures. I feel like that is something that really is very exciting because I think in our case, we do have a product that changed people's lives. Like eighty percent of infectious diseases are spread through hands, so the reason why there's school absenteeism and all that is because. Again, you put your mouth, uh, you put your hands on your mouth, and then you get sick, you get gastroenteritis, you get anything. So, um, in our case, we we know that it's not just about um, giving back, it's actually about also creating healthy environments where, where there's a need of this.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. I appreciate you saying, you know, you you don't want to use it as a, a marketing initiative, but I, I think I think people and customers can really feel the authenticity of a brand at this point. So I think it's definitely something important to highlight because it's incredible and what a what a meaningful time to be able to make such an impact. Um, as you've scaled the business, what's been the most challenging part? And is there anything that you would go back and do differently in retrospect? I get
0: that question a lot. And I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason, good and bad. So again, there's a lot of learnings every day I'm learning, but I think overall it has gotten me where we are today. And it's very exciting to see the brand in the places where I dreamed about being and to be succeeding actually every on a week over a week basis with the results that we're seeing. I think the hardest part is to find um team members that can like share the same vision, the same passion, because it is a rough journey. And I feel it it is very important to find people that is is there for the right reasons, that it's it's here, like because they believe in what we're doing, that this is not just a job, it's truly something that they they are passionate about. So I think that has been the hardest part, especially in an in an industry where in 2020 everyone wanted to be in this industry and so. Us like we stopped having conversations with investors. Then like we we just wanted to get away of the opportunistic approach and make sure that we got on board like really people that believed on why Touchland was created many years before COVID. Not just because it's the cool thing or like a growing industry during that time.
1: Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Do you do you find it's been maybe uh, more difficult to find the right people per se, but when you find the right team members and the right talent, because it's such a mission-driven brand, it really creates like camaraderie within the team.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I think like once you find people that really love the brand and you can tell that they have, sometimes they are even users, consumers of the brand before that. So they are already fans of, of the brand. And then when they get to really know not just the outside, which the product is great, but it's really, oh, and they think about this, and they think about this, and they are thoughtful about this. Um, I always think, like, companies are, like, puzzles. Um, lots of companies just focus on having a very nice outer shell, and when you carve deeper, <laughs> the values, the the tones, everything are not there. Like, in our case, we take time to bring in people, but we just want just want to make sure, like, then not just me, but every, everyone that I put in this company and that I bring in into this team has the same values. Because at the end of the day, I always say it takes a lifetime to build trust and one second to lose it. And again, I represent my company for the good and for the bad. And if something goes wrong, I take full blame because at the end of the day, I kind of invested and believed in the people that I bring in. So that's why we want to make sure that everyone, and it's not just how you talk to customers, it's how you talk to vendors how you talk to retailers it's really having that same shared dna of very basic honorable values which unfortunately like it's not it's not as common like you can find people that seem very nice and then suddenly like a comment that is like how did i not see that on the interview so it's it's really important to i always do interviews not looking so much to the resume but really looking at the values, because I think like skills, you can learn the values you cannot learn. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. You mentioned, you know, doing interviews and then you were managing socials just even a few months ago. How do you best stay on top of your, your workflow and sort of manage all aspects of the business? What's your best tip or trick for productivity? And how do you stay on the pulse of everything?
0: I feel it's the fire and the adrenaline of really feeling this is something big. Like I, everyone just say, like, where do you find the energy? I'm like, where I don't don't find the energy. Like I find it everywhere. <laughs> I feel extra extra motivated. I I feel like you're living in this world for a very short period of time, and that uh, while you're here, you should be leaving a mark. And I and I'm very excited because not only we were able to create something, but when we launched the birth to see if it flies it fla- it it flew very very high and it was very well like received by the by the US market so for me i think i try to be as sane as possible in terms of like i like to meditate when i can i i'm a problem solver um when there's a problem i'm not like crying or getting pissed i doubt I you are a- <laughs> you are yeah, not yeah i good. just like no i I just take it in and the next thing in like the next second is just what's the solution I don't really like to hone on criticizing or blaming and all that like I'm just like problem solution problem solution and how can we learn always like uh, and I try to have that sort of instill with the team like just because it's going right doesn't mean that we cannot do it better. let's try to find new ways to do things let's find learnings and all that. so I am just, very motivated generally and i but but i'm only doing that i feel like I, there's a lot of founders that they have three four businesses i would not be able to do it i have more more than enough with one and and it keeps me extremely extremely busy but it's it's definitely something that you have to believe in it because you cannot fake this excitement and passion i feel you would be you would be caught very easily
1: yeah, definitely. You know, you mentioned these other founders having several brands, which is which is interesting. But um, you could sort of end up having separate entities within the brand, as the the possibilities of personal care are endless. So I'm I'm curious what's next on the horizon in the personal care space, if you can share anything or or what that looks like.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think one of the one of the things that we realized um, when when we started is that we have a very similar innovation pipeline of of Apple in the sense that when you think of other technology companies in the space, they have way more STUs and way more categories than microwaves and television. Apple was very diligent and disciplined into selecting five categories and being the best at it Um, instead of having a hundred different categories and being average. When we think of innovation for us, it's the same. If I'm not going to be the best, I'm not going to start. So there's other categories where again the experience is as awful as hand sanitizer. Um, <laughs> I cannot talk in detail because that, uh, that's fair. The surprise effect, but but the goal is to take very um like very essential personal care categories that one way or another have been commoditized, boring, soulless, lack of joy, and really create that sort of spark that we've been able to create with a product that no one thought that they would use the word obsession with. I think that's something that it's magical that happens again very in very few occasions where people really find a product that they connect, that they are willing to give real state on their back to have it. Um, so that's our goal is to touch on very specific personal care categories and really bring in the same kind of functional common denominators that we touch on with the hand sanitizer space and really change people's perception on something that they and and increase the usage which at the end of the day improves the wealth uh, the wellness and the health because I think personal care has like a a really direct impact on health and and wellness it's just like in my case for example like if I'm not excited about it I'm not going to use it so I think the goal is to create that that sort of mentality of finding excitement into something that is not exciting.
1: Yeah, definitely. In terms of things that you can share, are there any new retailers coming up or anything you can share? And for anyone listening who hasn't tried Touchland, I'm curious, what would be your your recommendation for where to start?
0: Okay, well, in terms of retailers, um, in terms of channels right now, um, we are growing within the current channels. We are doing a lot of initiatives with them. We're launching a new collaboration in June. And I cannot share the details, but it's a very cool, exciting collaboration, um, very unexpected as we like to do things. Um, and it's going to be also in, in Sephora and, and Ulta.com. So people is going to be able to find it there. And and in terms of my favorite scent, I mean, I feel like Beach cocoa is, is such a good scent. It, 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 like if you're working, you're stressed, you spray it, suddenly you close your eyes, you're like in a paradisiac beach enjoying a piña colada and I think like that kind of feeling is great because sometimes you need to de-stress a lot during the day and then um, for example we launched um, in uh, last year at the end of last year our collaboration with Smiley which is a brand that I that I really like Um, it's a brand that started 50 years ago with the goal of celebrating good news because nowadays it takes the newspaper and it's all bad news and it makes you wonder why are we still alive here because everything goes
1: south <laughs> we think that often <laughs> um,
0: yeah it's, it's awful to watch the news so when you so they created this um newspaper that was to celebrate the good things in life because we should have that sort of perspective in things of not only looking for the bad things but really looking also on the good things and be appreciative um so we felt like the brands align the dna align and so we launched this collaboration it's a super cool yellow um Power Meets with a smiley face. And it came with a newest scent that we launched, which is Mango Pasha. And I I can say that I don't like mango generally. And it became my number one to send because it's incredible. So I recommend that one chip.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. For anyone listening who wants to find out more information on yourself and Touchland, where can I direct them? So, of course, in social media,
0: and we are on the, the handle is Touchland on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. And also, um, you can find us in touchland.com or, or hello at touchland.com if you want to shoot us an email.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to all future episodes. For show notes and resources mentioned, go to glamandgrow.co. This show is produced by Wavebreak. If you're an e-commerce marketing leader who wants to take your email and CRM program to the next level, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call.